Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Vampire the Masquerade, Twin Cities by Night. Negligence is our first story arc for a campaign that takes place in 2010 in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Follow Ophelia, a Toreador played by Alex, Jonathan, a Venture played by David, Katow, a Gangrel played by Quinn, and William, a Venture played by Slavic, as they are pulled out of their seclusion and tasked to investigate a series of gruesome murders. If you'd like to contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to Twin Cities by Night. Uh, as I spoke to all you guys individually, we're going to start off at Elysium. So it is the evening of Friday, November 8th, 2009. First, I'll have each of you describe your characters, like your name, information that the players would know. You know, you don't have to get into, like, the generation you are and that type, uh, how you may look. Alex, go first. My character's name is Ophelia. She's uh, very attractive, you notice. Uh, she has shoulder-length dark curly hair, and uh, she likes dressing elegantly. She's You might know her as a musician and uh, the owner of a restaurant. Two questions real quick. What's her last name, and uh, did you come up with the name for the restaurant? Uh, I haven't got a last name, actually. Uh, I thought that far. But the restaurant's called Juno, so we can give that her last name as well. And then, uh, okay, go ahead, Dave. My character's name is Jonathan Chase, and there's not much to know about him because he's um – Avoids everybody, or at least has for the last 20 years. Oh, by the way, well, I don't know if Alex mentioned, you, you guys would know that he's a Toreador, and you would know what clan David uh, is, yes, right. and he's, yeah. he's a Venture, so. All right, uh, go ahead, Quinn. Hey, um, yeah, I'm playing uh, Kaitao Ren. He's probably uh, uh, really, short, really close shape, close shaven hair, uh, probably uh, you know, average height, wearing a leather jacket, stuff like that. And he's uh, half Asian, half Chinese, and half Caucasian. Yes, yes, and uh, he's also a member of the Gangrel clan, too. Next, we are going to have Slavic. I'm playing William Strother, which is a venture accountant. He's basically a bit of a dick. Uh, screwed over a lot of people, you know, by embezzling stuff from companies. And he, me and me and Jonathan actually helped destroy this rival company. I don't know what you're talking about. And, well, now I, I was just chilling 20 years, and now I got a call, and I have to go to Lizium. Uh, what, what does your character look like? Well, he's in his late 20s, I guess. You know, usually well-dressed in a suit. Very European-looking. Dave, I'm going to help him out a little bit because I saw a picture of his character. He's, what I would say, early 30s-looking, taller, kind of, kind of has curly. What, what would you say, brownish-red hair, Dave? Or yeah. Maybe blonde? yeah. yeah uh, I would say brownish-red. Yeah, Caucasian looking has uh, hazel eyes, right? Was it hazel? I can't remember the color. It's um, light blue. V- very average, you know, uh, when it comes to appearance and everything like that. So uh, I blend into the crowd real easily. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to start uh, Friday, November 8th. It's a cold, brisk Minneapolis evening. It had snowed earlier in October. Like most of the winter there in Minneapolis, the, the snow eventually compacts and almost becomes a second layer of concrete. 
when you guys were mortals and you lived in this area during the winter time, it often freeze your nose hairs, your breath would come out. And most of the time you have to spend blood points to, to help promote the masquerade. The night's clear. It's not cloudy. And like most uh, Minneapolis evenings, it's easy to see the stars with, with how brisk the cold is and also the lights of the city. Elysium is on the, not quite the outskirts, but on the nicer end of Minneapolis by the Minnesota River where uh, it's actually a country club slash golf course uh, called the Hawthorne Heights. It's actually has, when you drive up to it, you have about two blocks where you have to drive up until you come to uh, the entrance of the country club where it kind of has it half an oval drive up where you drive up there and there's a valet service that comes and takes your cars, no matter the quality of the car there, uh, which you all are driving. As you guys enter into the Elysium, uh, you're greeted by a comfortable warmth and actually uh kind of a bright but yet calming light that that radiates from within usually the the source of the light is properly set chandeliers that reside within or well-placed corner uh lamps as you walk in it's it's around 10 30 or 11 at night usually at this time of night the normal people who attend during the day have gone on to do other things even if they stayed to have some kind of nightcaps or evening drinks but usually they move on to different affairs and country club is left to you left to the kindred of the city uh now you guys aren't usually don't socialize out in the open obviously there's a backed off yeah. section but with that backed off section is actually rather large in the section there's a dining area with with tables of uh different sizes for different parties that have a nice view of the golf course and in return the the minnesota river by huge picture pane windows where a lot of people like to look out and and be able to enjoy the the, the scenery of the twin cities and still but it be able to enjoy the warmth and not have to be out in the cold uh, there are different study rooms where people sometimes sit with large leather couches wall-to-wall bookshelf uh, newspaper racks where newspapers are draped by the wooden stick holders that like such papers are like the New York Times, the Twin Cities Tribune, any type paper, Wall Street Journal, any type paper that people who usually uh, go to these type of places and visit like to read. Uh, most of the time, uh, it's commingling. Like I said, though, you guys are pretty young in the blood when it comes to there. Probably the you guys have spent, depending on your, your characters, somewhat time there. But you guys were directed by the keeper, Elysium, Elaine Barker, who uh, is actually Ophelia's sire into a room that is kind of a meeting room has a long oak desk that's red oak that's very polished as you guys are looking down you can almost see your reflection clearly in it you're sitting in these leather chairs where people like slavic and and alex are, are pretty comfortable used to sitting in kind of this fine quality but you guys are sitting there for about 10 15 minutes the only sound is the slow ticking of a of a grandfather clock that's actually in the corner and it as you're sitting there, you, you're kind of wondering why, because actually you weren't told any details of why you were coming. You are just kind of told by your respective sires or a representative primogen to be here at Friday night that there's a task. And so eventually at the north side of the room, at the end, towards the opposite side of the table where you guys are, are sitting at a double doors open up, two people come walking in. You recognize uh, the first one. Her name is Katrina Carrington. She is the Toyador primogen. She has longer, curly, dirty blonde hair. She's wearing a somewhat casual but upscale gray single-cut evening dress that has a low V neckline, has a thin shoulder straps. She has very piercing uh, blue eyes when she comes in there. And you see that she sits at the end of the table, but off the opposite end, not at the head, but to the left of the head. And then in walks in next the Venture Primogen, who William over there is very familiar with. 
Uh, his name is Kenneth Weiss. He walks in. He's very tall and regal in a sense that he has very fine, very proper cut gray hair with the neatly trimmed uh, manicured mustache. He wears a three-piece suit. But not when I say three-piece suit, I'm not and not when you think of normal blue blood venture snootiness, like showing off of extravagance. That's not the case with him. Where his almost seems very well fit in a military manner and how it's cut, not to show flash, but to show proper discipline almost. He uh, seems very cold and calculated in the fact that not so much in how you've dealt with them, because really only one person has really dealt with them closely, and the other kind of has a passing familiarity with them. But in the fact that you can tell he's not there to make friends and he wants to give that impression right away that he's really not concerned at all with, with anyone's opinion of him. So he uh, sits at the opposite end of Katrina. So you guys are pretty much kind of finagled at one end of the table and they're, they're sitting at the opposite end, opposite each other. They turn their chairs inwards to face towards you all. And you see that Ken in his hands has a manila envelope folder that seems to be the normal size of a piece of paper, which I think is like seven by 10 or, or whatever normal size. You could tell kind of from how it's folded, but a copy of the Twin Cities Tribune there. So he turns around and he looks at all you. And he kind of usually when he sits, you see he, he has almost like a, I don't want to call it a twitch, but a habit where his hands are always seeming to have to move. He can never sit still with his hands. And he sits there and he looks at you and says, you're probably well aware that I've called you here for something that's not of the norm. The reason that I called you here is because we've noticed um, the last two weeks the city has been kind of struck by two murders that don't fit your normal criminal activity that have kind of left the prince a little worried about the, the about the impact that it could have on our cities. And then Katrina, she turns around and she as she's facing you guys, she's like, listen, this is the situation. We're going to be honest. We know modern days, especially you four are more familiar with it than some of us. Technology in the 24-7 news cycle has made it to where we have to be more careful with things that may draw attention especially here to the Twin Cities. As you're well aware, our prince, and especially with the backing of his clan, have made our city here an almost utopian compared to other cities. We don't deal with this kind of stuff, we, and we don't like to deal with this stuff. And the reason why we have been so successful is we learned to nub things in the, when they first occur. And that's why we're bringing you four in here. We know with your guys' skill set, and, and you see Ken kind of snorts, I'm not going to sugarcoat it with you guys. We're not bringing you here because you somehow have impressed us into the fact it's time for you guys to contribute here for the last 20 years you guys have sat here and you've built up your resources you've built up everything that you should as being a member of the kindred society now we need you to return that investment onto us we've given you the opportunity here each respectively your sires including me here and my child have given you and all an opportunity to accomplish great things with this gift that we've given you well, now we need you to return. We need you to show that you're thankful for that. And this is what we need you to do. You see, Carrington just kind of nods in agreement and looks forward. He's a little bit more blunt than I, but he's, he's kind of true in how he, puts for, how he puts it forth. We just need you guys with whatever you've acquired in the last 20 years to try to find out what's going on here and, and, and take care of this. If it's finding out that some crazed madman, then let the authorities know and get him off the street. That, that's pretty much what we need you to do here. We are all busy with things that are none of your business and, frankly, that you shouldn't have to worry about. So we ask that you guys do this for us. Is there any questions that you have about this? So I'm going to ask, what kind of resources and rights do we have at our disposal? Like, can we question any any kindred or should we lay low, make you, sure we don't? You see Ken looks at you, like, and it's kind of 
chill in how he looks at you because actually you haven't probably ever had eye contact conversation with this guy for about 10 years now. And he looks at you and he's like, you can use anything at your disposal that you, that you need to take care of this. If it's called question, if you need a question, one of the kindred, you have the full backing of the primogen council and of the prince. And even if it is one of us, but I doubt that's the case. I mean, frankly, this is probably some sick mortal who's going around who has mental issues. We just want it to be taken care of because we don't want news reporters here. We don't want it on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. We just don't want the attention. Do you understand that? Yes, sir. And frankly, and you kind of see he's kind of getting a little disgusting. He looks at everyone. I don't even really want to hear about this unless it's done with. You don't need to call me and give me updates or whatever. Just do it and and, and contribute back to the society. And I hope somehow you guys will kind of quit being dead weight on all of us here. And you see kind of Katrina just kind of like looks at him from the side like she's not agreeing too much, but she puts on a smile there. So if you guys need anything, please feel free to come here and ask us. We're usually around here. And uh, if you need any advice, I, I, of course, I'm here. But other than that, it's this is left to you all. And I hope you guys have a good evening. And she gets up and kind of starts walking out. And you see as Ken gets up, he slides the, the envelope and the newspaper. The manila folder. Yeah, the manila folder and the newspaper towards you guys. And kind of just falls like in your guys' general direction, slides there. And he gets up and he walks out without even giving a goodbye and shuts the door. All right. With one finger, I'm going to flip open the manila folder. <laughs> so as you flip up the, open the manila folder, you see that there are two exposed black and white pictures that are within there. But you can't really make it out unless you take them out. Okay. So let's do that. You take it out and you see that they are two rather disturbing pictures that, that come out of it. One is of a, of a male who... And you're you're looking at the picture and it kind of looks like it may be like a hotel room or more like a motel room. The difference being it's obvious cheapness of the room. You can kind of see because it's taken the picture's taken at an angle to where it's looking into the corner of the room, if that makes sense. On the right, you can kind of catch part of a TV that's like a cheaper TV that's on the nightstand. And on the left, you can, it looks like it may be like an entryway to like a bathroom, you would assume, that goes in there. But in the corner, what really strikes your attention is the fact that there is a naked male who is hanging from chains that are attached to his wrist and to his ankles. And as if the chains are or drilled in or shoved into the ceiling and shoved into the wall to fully stretch him out, he looks very dead and no longer with us. But he has a strap of burlap that seemed to be tied within his mouth to the back of his head and he had a blindfold that was wrapped around his his eyes there his body looks very abused and and almost as if rather than being a caucasian male in which he was looks to be purple and red and and just beat up you see the ribs are just just look like they were punched like meat slabs you, you see his chest and his arms they have cuts and welts and you can't even really tell the damage his, his genitals look to be mutilated as his legs also looked to have had massive trauma to them and you can kind of make out too some burn marks and then also on the wall you see blood splatter and, and almost as if like just from when he was getting hit or getting slashed or getting cut, it was just spilt all over. It's also kind of even hard to make out the the white. Of course, it's a black and white picture, but you can see that there was tons of blood that were on the floor underneath him, also against the wall. Okay, uh, is this some kind of new picture, or do we already know this murder was on TV? Or 
it's a new picture. You've never even heard about this story. And, and as you're thinking about that, you kind of look at, you see that the newspaper's sitting there with it also. The second picture is pretty much the same thing, but for some reason, it kind of strikes a nerve in you more, Jonathan, because it's a female this time. And it looked like that the damage that was done to her was even worse. She looked to even be more mutilated. What you notice though with her is that she has, she had a huge, what looked like could have probably have finished her off was that she had a huge incision that almost went from her sternum down to her upper pelvic area that led her to being blood out. You can even see more so like like her, her intestines kind of fell out a little bit there. Now, I need to know your perception and alertness there, Mr. John. All right. Perception is three and alertness is one. Yeah, you just kind of look through the pictures and you you don't see anything that kind of strikes out there. Yeah, I'm oh sure. yeah, lovely. One one success minus so no successes. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't you don't notice anything really uh, out of the ordinary there. So William, while you were sitting there thinking about it, this had been the press, you notice out of the corner of your eyes that the the Twin Cities Tribune that is uh, sitting there next to kind of folded in half that's sitting next to there, and you see on half the page that you can see is the word double, and then you see uh, S, like the next line, you know? So, like it was a headline there. So, you open the newspaper and it said, uh, double murders struck in two weeks, and you see that it's written by it was written by a journalist named Brian Moore. It was dated actually today, and you're seeing it says the newspaper article, and I'm just going to kind of summarize it here. I'm not going to write the whole article out, but it's saying that within the last two weeks, the Twin Cities have been struck by uh, some mysterious but yet brutal murders that have taken place, uh, usually residing in cheaper motels that are on the seedier side of town. The first victim's name was Paul Hughes, 23-year-old uh, resident of Minneapolis. Not too much is known about him. Uh, next of kin have been alerted. And the second victim, her name is Ramona Ortiz. Not as too much of known. She was just, Her body was found uh, yesterday evening. Authorities have been investigating. If uh, you have any information, uh, please feel free to contact, yada, yada, yada. There's a number listed there, and that's about it. And there's some p- two pictures. You see two pictures of the victims. Ramona's picture almost looks like it was taken when she was 18. By the way, the article says Ramona's 27 years of age. Melmo's looks like it had been a, a senior picture. She's sitting on a log with like kind of like a forest background. Has a actually really attractive female, has a kind of a beautiful smile that in a way is too innocent for the picture that you guys kind of, well, that you guys saw Jonathan looking at. And then the picture of Paul, he looks kind of like a clean cut, not quite athletic, may have been more scholarly. It was more of a um, like a picture taken with some friends, at, at like maybe at a restaurant, at a bar, like someone snapped the picture and posted it on Facebook or Instagram with them. Kind of a charming smile, but it looks a little bit, uh, has kind of longerish, medium length that goes to like the middle of his neck, blonde hair that's kind of combed back and everything like that. So you guys are sitting there, you see uh, Jonathan looking at the pictures, you see William looking at the newspaper. Uh, what are you guys doing there, uh, Ophelia and uh, Katal? I'm also going to look at the pictures in the newspaper and it's like, yeah, I'll just give him the pictures since, you know, he's probably more adept at and more familiar with hanging people. And Do you say that out loud or do you keep that inside your head? <laughs> I keep it inside my head, but there is definitely like, yeah, yeah. Well, here you per- go. You, you're familiar with this stuff. What's your perception and alertness? Uh, four perception and three alertness. You got a success, man. Wait, hold oh, no, no, you got two. Yeah, two successes. So you're sitting there looking at the pictures. You... 
by the way, are very struck, I guess, by the whole situation. The fact that since with you trying to kind of cling to your humanity, the way that you're brought about actually being embraced, this has really, this is almost kind of striking a nerve with you. But as you're sitting there focusing and you're trying to push that to the side of your head, you see that the, the male, you have the two pictures lined up and you have the picture of Ramona and the picture of Paul sitting next to each other side by side. They're almost at the same angle. And you see that Ramona's incision goes from her sternum down to her upper pelvic. That was obviously, and you don't know yet, and you guys haven't investigated yet, but you kind of assume that maybe it was what killed her because it would kill any kind of normal person. But you're looking at Paul's and you see where there is an incision, but it almost goes from like his belly button down to the, uh, his pelvic. But you're like, and it's hard to make out with the black and gray picture, but you're looking and you swear to God, it almost looks like he had a scar before the actual incision. So like, there's a scar from his sternum to his belly button, but then there's an incision that's from his belly button to his upper pelvic area. So you, you notice that about the picture there. And what are you doing, uh, Ophelia? I'm avoiding looking at the pictures because they're disgusting me at this point. I'm kind of trying to come to grips with the situation we've been put in. I'm a bit put out because of my opulent lifestyle. I'm kind of used to doing my own thing right now. Come on, you don't want to blow these up and put them on the wall with the rest of your art? <laughs> you guys can tell, yeah, you can tell she's definitely kind of revol- revulsed by it. Okay, so while I see that she's revulsed by it, I just, you know, take the newspaper and pass it on. It's not as much, not as bloody as the pictures are, not as disturbing. You see the same article again. Has nothing, in, no names for the motels that they were found in? Uh, no, no, it just said uh, two motels that were that bodies were found. I'm kind of thinking if the photo was taken in a restaurant, maybe we could talk to uh, the Toreador Primogen, who owns a series of restaurants, and see if Mm. we can go over camera footage. And definitely that's a good idea, but the question is, how would you guys know what restaurant that was taken at? It's quite simple. What we do is we call the the number for the uh, hotline to give them information and get in contact (laughs) with the uh, detectives and lead case. Okay, that that sounds good. Is that what you're gonna do? Yeah, I think that's what we're gonna do. All right, right? No, maybe. Sure. We need cover. Like we can. Hey, we're vampires. We're just asking about these murders so we can cover the masquerade. So we need a plan. Like what we're gonna say to them? Uh, let them know that uh. Maybe press or something. FBI looking to <laughs> looking in on the case. And we can back that up somehow. Yeah. Somehow we could back it up. Somehow I just need to get in 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 touch with him personally, and I can I can work it out. Sure, we could actually find them and dominate. I mean, we're too venture, right? Right. But that solves everything. Absolutely. <laughs> we don't fail. So you guys have decided then a plan of action. Yeah, I think I think before we try to do anything, we get in contact with the police, find out who's working the case, and then we get what information they have. And that will give us at least somewhere to start as opposed to just picking at straws. Okay, so are you going to do an Elysium? Or are you guys going to – where are you guys going to – are you going to do it here in the boardroom? Or are you guys going to – Let's 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 um, blow this taco stand. Where are you guys going to head to? Whose car are we taking? Well, there's no way I don't think we're all going to want to fit all in one car because we're just like, you know, we got two Ventrues, we got two other people. It's like – and, you know. Someone else, that's, that's your car. My car's like, too expensive for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I got like a probably like a big old hunk of junk thing that barely works. Just 
Yeah, you guys each have your own car. By the way, what 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 type of car do you all drive? Let's start first with Alex. What are you driving? Oh jeez. Uh I got a nineteen eighty CMR two. There we go. There you go. Okay. What are you driving, <laughs> Mr. Uh Mr. Chase? It's probably some nondescript black Chrysler Plymouth. All right. What are you driving, Kitao? Probably some old uh car that like runs but it's not quite rusty but you could see that it could almost be that way and like a toyota corolla sure i guess i don't know car models yeah 1985 toyota corolla that's on his last like 95 we'll say it's called what a about, meter what about you mr strother uh i think i'll have a bmw you know fancy but i'm not too well versed with cars so let's just leave it at that so where are you guys driving to let's see some interaction here gentlemen and lady, <laughs> let's uh, let's go to uh, what's her Flunkin's uh, restaurant. restaurant. She's well, got a restaurant. Ophelia's got a restaurant. Let's make that the base of our operations. What what time of night is it, by the way? It's eleven. Yeah, uh, my restaurant's closed, so we can hit there. Yeah, you guys all know probably know where the restaurant's at too. As you guys step out, you're kind of struck by the coldness of again. Uh, you notice that there's not too many people who are about in the Elysium, especially you guys are all of you frankly, are impacted by the pictures that you saw. No matter how you try to portray your demeanor to be that, it doesn't phase you. Yeah, all of you who for the last 20 years have, have tried to deal with coming to grips with humanity and being what you are uh, have never came across anything like this before, too. So you each, uh, for your own whatever personal reasons, may be disturbed. And especially the fact, William, uh, you might be even more bothered in the fact that this is the first interaction that you've had with your sire in a while, and, and he's putting you on something like this. You know? So uh, you guys, uh, t- traffic isn't that bad for a Friday night when you get towards the restaurant. It, you have to go through downtown where downtown's kind of packed with people, and you're kind of stuck in a little traffic there. But uh, once you get to the neighborhood where the apartment resides or the, the restaurant resides, which is kind of a – I think we agreed, Alex, that was like a three-star restaurant or something to that extent, right? Yeah, that's right. I'll let you go ahead and describe the restaurant to to the players too a little bit, uh, how it looks and, and like what kind of cuisine or whatever, like the impression they get going okay. into the restaurant. Yeah, it's just kind of a it's kind of rustic, you know, it's, uh, stained wood furniture and uh, brick walls, dimmed lights, kind of a Mediterranean food. Uh, there's a little stage in the corner where musicians can play. Uh, yeah, it's it's nothing too fancy. Was it open? It's not open. It's closed. Night. Probably they don't only get that much uh, business after dinner. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> Ophelia goes up and unlocks the door, disarms the alarm, and you, as you guys step in and she turns on the light, it's a little warmer than outside because the heat's been on, but probably set to a lower temperature uh, to save on the utilities. Vampires still have to pay bills, yay. You guys just uh, come up there, and, and the scene's in your guys' hand right now. So I noticed that the first victim... Paul, he was chained up. That takes time, and if he was considering that maybe he wasn't dead when he started getting beat, that's very loud. And Yeah, especially if they got to drill the chains up into the ceiling. So either A, he, the killer paid people off in the area, or B, he did something to make it quieter. Oh. And I also noticed the guy had a scar, that, like because the girl had was cut from like the sternum to the pelvis, but... The guy had a scar that, like he had been cut that way before, almost. But the, but like the cut on him was different. It was just from his stomach down. Organ harvesting. 
ritual organ harvest? Like, there's nothing really useful in the uh, lower regions, I think. Yeah. Okay, Charlie. Ones where digestive and intestine. <laughs> no one uses that stuff. That was a Vietnam reference. Yes, you you got it. By the way, uh, Katow, he just threw a uh, uh, kind of like something you've heard from your sire thrown at you multiple times. <laughs> he called you Charlie, which is a term for Vietnamese for those of you who served in Vietnam. Yeah, so you, you notice that uh, Jonathan says that towards you, which you know. I just sigh and just. It's like I'm not even Chinese. I'm not Vietnamese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he tells you guys what he found there. So here's right. some options. We, we we could try and get in contact with the, the detective on the on the case. We can turn around and we can try and get a hold of the the writer who wrote the story yeah. at the newspaper, and and backtrack from there. And if this happened within the last couple of days, the bodies are going to still be at the morgue, so we can get into the morgue and identify the, the bodies in person as opposed to looking at black and white photos. I personally vote against going to the police because that just gets us too involved with everything. We have to come up with too many stories, keep straight. Well, I, I would never suggest that you go to police because, I mean... Some some Korean driving around his beater mm-hmm. Honda, you know, is going to catch too much attention. Do you even know oh. what part of Asia I'm from, or are you just going to name every one until you get one right? Okay, okay, guys. That sounds like what I'm going to do. We can split up. Second. So you guys are splitting up, or are you? Are you... Well, I think before we split up, we need to to have a a, a clear line of action that we're going to. I ain't going to the we morgue. Just all... I'm just making it clear now. I'm not going to the morgue. <laughs> so Ophelia's out going to the morgue. So you guys talked about three options: morgue, reporter, cops. I'll well, go to the reporter. All right, Ophelia, you're gonna you're gonna run down the the reporter. I'll angle. run my charms on the reporter. Yeah. Okay. And is it a male or a female reporter? It is a male. His name is Brian Moore. Uh, I'm gonna go up and get changed while these guys are working okay, the restart. Well, I'm gonna put on. You're gonna tell them that you're revealing. All right. All right. Sounds good. a restaurant. Yeah, I live upstairs. Ah, isn't that some kind of health violation? So then, William, William Katow, and John, you guys are sitting there while she goes upstairs. She kind of said that she's gonna handle the reporter aspect. What are you three doing? Okay, I turn to Kaitao and I ask him, so how good are you at stealth? Pretty good. I know how to keep things from being, I know how to keep from being seen. As long as they don't smell the kimchi. You should go to the morgue. I'm Chinese, half Chinese. (laughs) Kimchi is Korea. You know, the place far to the east of China. What are you trying to say? If you're going to make racial slurs, at least get the right area. Okay. So uh, you guys are going to go to the morgue, and what are you going to do? So the, the two of them are going to go to the morgue? Is that, I what's take that? It, is that what you guys said? Uh, that's uh, I was just, that. that's, I'll agree with that, yes. I was asking, I said he should go to the morgue, but oh, I, he should? Okay. I should yeah, probably yeah. go there too. All right, so you two are going to the morgue, and what are you doing, Mr. Mr. Chase? You're going to still um, go to the cop angle? Sounds like I can go beat up the cops. All right, uh, Alex, you can go ahead and go first. So you go upstairs and you get chained. Um, I, I'm, I'm really wearing something revealing, low cut, but still kind of tasteful. Uh, I've All got right. a long skirt on with the slit down the side so you can see a bit of leg. You know, I've got my hair tied up. We'll go with that. All right, sounds good. Now, how are you going to I wear glasses too, like with Come fake up. lenses in them so I look uh, – Smart. All right, cool. Sounds good. Now, how are you going to attempt to – tell me your plan of action here. 
Well, I'm going to go and put the charms on the reporter, uh, act like a grieving friend maybe, and see what I can find out. So you're going to try to find out? You're going to try to how are you going to try to contact the reporter? Uh, I'll see if oh, it's quite late, isn't it? That's <laughs> uh, about eleven. It's it's eleven, so not too late, especially I'm sure for a cop who's writing a story on a homicide and probably that kind of a or excuse me, a reporter who wrote a story on a homicide, more of a beat reporter, you know? Yeah, maybe I could ring up and uh, pretend like I've got a lead and see if I can organize a meeting. Okay. Just kind of bullshit, bullshit my way through it. So you uh you can find you, you could probably find the number to the the Twin Cities Tribune by googling it or some something to that extent. So are are you gonna yeah. try to go there in person? Or are you gonna try to call? What's your plan there? Um, I'll give them a call first and see if I can arrange a meeting so it's not too uh, suspicious seeming. Understood. So you dial the number that you found on Google and it rings. Sure. And a receptionist answers She's like Twin Cities Tribune. How may I direct your call? Uh, yeah, I'd like to speak to uh, Brian. Uh, Brian, uh, Brian Moore. Yeah, sure. That's, yeah, that's the guy. And, uh, what is this, uh, pertaining to? Uh, just wanted to, uh, see if I wanted to provide some information on, uh, case he's been reporting on. Uh, yes, ma'am. And can I get your name, please? Sure. It's, uh, I'm not sure if I should get my real name here. What do you think? Probably not. Probably not. I will go with that. It's Beatrice. Beatrice. Okay. And last name? Beatrice Jones. All right. Thank you. Stand by one second, please. And you hear like some background music, some music put it on, and then you hear a ringing, and then it seems like a voicemail message is picked up, and it's like you have reached the voicemail of Brian Moore. Uh, if you uh, wish to contact me during normal hours, please do, or if it's important, please leave a voice message, and I check regularly and with the number to call you back at. Thank you. Okay, I'm just gonna leave a message saying, oh hey, uh, yeah, I'll try and put on sound like um you know faking nervousness. Maybe apprehension. Let me get a subterfuge, manipulation and subterfuge. So that you have five dice in that, I see. One success. So good job. So cool. you leave your voice message on there and you hang up the phone. I'm going to cut to Mr. Chase. So you saw, you saw Ophelia just try to, she came down. What are you, what are you doing uh, right now, Mr. Chase? All right, let's, let's exchange numbers here real quick so that we can get a hold of one another. So you guys are giving each other your, your cell phone numbers, all right? Yeah, I'm yeah. going to give them my burner number. Yeah, and, I don't uh, actually have a cell phone. Not a they permanent don't. one. All right. And uh, you, you get the numbers, and what are you going to do next there, Mr. Chase? I'm going to go get changed into a nice, cheap suit, and I'm going to drive down to the police department. Oh, so you're going back to your haven, and you're going to drive to the police department? Yeah, I mean, I can't. Okay. I'm not going to try and do this over the phone. I'm going to have to will and deal my way into the police department. Sounds good. All right. You take off and do that. Mr. Katow, what are you going to be doing, sir? Well, I, uh, so, uh. I guess we're going to the morgue together. You're going to the morgue together? All right. Yes, that sounds like the best thing to do for right now, just to get a better idea of just what we're dealing with. So I just right. ask if, you know, hey guys, any of you been in a morgue? Do you know how many people there are living people? There are there. My dad worked in a morgue. There's usually one or two people there at most. So uh, you two take off. Are you going to take your, each of your individual cars or are you going to drive separately? I really don't see a need for us to take two separate cars. So they're both going to the same direct, to the same place. Uh, is he? Well, how are we dressed? Uh, like, you're dressed in a suit. Yeah. And, and he's in like he said he's in jeans and like a, a jacket and everything like that. You guys are okay, actually. So I take off my coat and I give it to him, sort of like. We'll go back to Alex here. So you guys take off in the Beamer. Alex, 
your phone rings surprisingly after about five minutes. All right, I'll uh, answer it in a sultry voice. Hello. Yeah, hi. Uh, this is Brian Moore from the Twin Cities Tribune. I received a voice message from you that uh, you had some information on a story that I had posted. Okay, I'm 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 bullshitting him here, so I want to I want to tell him that I want to discuss the case. Uh, I, I was a friend of so I was a friend of Ramona, and that uh, I want to I want to discuss the case, and you know if he wants to know anything about her, I can make it up you know i'm not obviously telling him this but i want to try and find out what i can so i uh, will have you roll uh manipulation and subterfuge and then he will roll uh perception and alertness so have you roll yours again so that's a five and yeah. uh he's on the phone and he's like yeah uh sure yeah great do you do you want to meet up and have a coffee at a coffee shop do you want to, where do you want to meet up yeah you know. that sounds good you name the place i'll meet you there well, we'll go to the we'll go to that that hipster joint that just opened up, uh, and he kind of gives you a location downtown, kind of in a busier section. I'll, I'll say it has mention of hipster, but um, yeah, I'll go with it. You go ahead and take off, and you get in your car, and you head over there to the coffee shop, and you yeah. see him. He's kind of sitting within. Again, there's not too many people walking around outside. It's kind of brisk, almost below zero weather currently at the moment. Looks like they may be closing. I'm yeah. faking like breathing, breathing, you know, mist coming out. Yeah, definitely. I, I, by the way, guys, you're really supposed to spend a blood point to do that, but how I do it in a game is you spend a blood point when you wake up every evening, and part of that is counted as keeping the masquerade. I, you get to the coffee shop. He's sitting inside. It's kind of a dimmer one. The, the menu's written on chalk. People are yeah. kind of cleaning up. You get the feeling that they're probably going to be closed in a half hour. And he's sitting uh, kind of farther back in the corner. Like you walk in and you see the the barista normal stamps kind of like right when you walk in. But to the left, there's a there's an area about five feet where they have some tables and booths. But you can walk all the way in the back past the barista. And there's like some cushions that are against the wall. Or excuse me, like a like a booth against the wall. And where there's some tables in front of there. And he's kind of in the corner one. And there's a seat for you to sit across from him. I mean, he gets up and he stands up. He kind of he is roughly around 27 years of age. Kind of has like a bottom part of a goatee. Has a blonde hair that's almost like a faded high and tight. He's wearing yeah. a Gore-Tex tan like jacket. He ha- he has some blue jeans on. Has some uh, winter boots underneath the blue jean. And he kind of like stands up and he's in the process of taking off his jacket and he has like a like a flannel shirt on underneath and you, you could see he's like oh it's kind of struck by you when you walk in like a uh, oh hot chick kind of alert but he kind of keeps <laughs> it cool but you can see the you could see the 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 reaction where his eyes open up a little bit but then he tries to play calm and he takes off his jacket and he st- he extends his hand out to you and he's like uh is is this uh Bernadette Miss Jones that was your name again Beatrice Beatrice, Beatrice. Jones I'm sorry. <laughs> and he like he takes your hand and shakes. He's like, "Hi, I'm Brian Moore. Please have a seat." And he kind of like motions to the open seat. Yeah, sure. I'll says, uh, sit down, obviously, and um, I'll I'll study him a bit. Just see what his kind of so guess, he, what his body language is telling me. He seems very uh, hyperactive, not hyperactive, but very energized. Uh, usually, what the youth has, uh, you've noticed in your 20 years, uh, uh, people who feel like they 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 serve a purpose in their life, and and you could tell he has a general excitement and a liking for what he's about. You know, talking to people, and you get the sense that he's very eager to do this as as not only a job but as a way of life. And being a reporter, so he talks with his hands a lot, and he's so he's like, so your call, you. you I take it you were talking about the story that was published last night? That's the one, yeah. 
the mood is. So you know, and you know Ramona and everything. Please tell me. Do you mind if I take notes? Is that okay? Or uh, sure. Yeah, sure. Take notes. And he and so he pulls out his notepad and he's sitting there and he's like, so what? What? What kind of information? I mean, what did you know? How can I help you? Uh, or is there anything you can help me with? I want to get this story out about Ramona. I just don't want her to be a, a senior yearbook picture like we had a post in the story. I, I want the city to know about her and about you know how someone like her could be affected and killed so brutally so let's i guess what i'm what i'm hoping that mean you can do here ma'am is the fact that we can take this ugliness that was her death and kind of celebrate her life and show the beauty that was her so please help me or tell me what you what you have to tell or i'm gonna try and flip this on him and use my charms to get out of him first what he knows about the case before i feed him any bullshit that i Oh, okay. Might do. Yeah. If I so you're going to ask I'll kind, so of be, how, be kind of be flirty with them as well. Okay. You know, go oh. ahead. Uh, do you want to role play that or do you want to roll it? Or like, what, are you going to ask him what he knows or how are you going to go about that? So we can kind of do, do a bit of both. I'll kind of, you know, I'll, I'll tell him, I'll be acting kind of upset, but at the same time, a little bit kind of flirty towards him. <laughs> okay. A bit distasteful, but yeah. I'll no, kind no. Of like, oh, you know. Oh, it's just so awful. I'll kind of be dancing around the subject a bit. Uh, so we'll roll a we'll roll a, sure. a appearance since you're going to use that and performance. Let's do that. That's <laughs> seven sure, for you sure. there. Uh, so you got a six, eight, and ten, and it was difficulty six, by the way. So sure. you have three successes. So he's sitting there and he sees that. Oh wow! Like you kind of see he's kind of well. Obviously, then you, you, I take it you heard about this through the newspaper. You, you you didn't know that she was dead until you read the newspaper. That's right. I haven't actually talked to her in in a year or two. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. I thought you had something to add. I I, I apologize for that and for being, I guess, rather – I hope I didn't come across callous. I really don't. I'm really not trying to just chase a story here. I just want to help find who's doing this and, and, and also, like I said, kind of celebrate the life of Ramona here. All I know is that they found her body, and and now they're just in the in the – kind of the pre-stages of investigation going right now i mean she has those uh she has her her apartment that's in uh ellsworth towers up there and, and you realize that ellsworth towers is kind of almost like a, a ritzy a, the twin cities is in minneapolis but it's the ritzy apartment kind of complex where the apartments are bigger than some people's houses you know like three thousand square feet kind of apartments yeah very high class he's like but that that's all i know i'm trying to i'm been trying to talk to the authorities but they, they haven't given me that much information yet because uh, that that's pretty much where i'm at right now with this ma'am that's that's good information this is just what i'm thinking here but um i'm gonna i mean i, I need to provide him with something so he doesn't think i came here to you know yeah get, you know, use him so um but like oh you know it's such a shame what happened to her she had a whole life ahead of her and all these vagaries you know i'll just kind of generalize but like is there anything you wanted to know about her well her, her mom yeah, her mom had told me that she kind of strayed from the family for a while there, but like she wouldn't really get too much in what happened or or anything. Like, do you know anything about that? Like, why her, her and her family kind of had a falling out about like seven years ago? Oh, it's uh, I think it, it was an unwanted pregnancy. You know, she confided in me. Oh, about she that. was pregnant. Oh, I won't put that in yeah, the paper she, then. We, we don't want that. Don't put that in paper. She she terminated. It was a point of contention there. With your, uh, oh well, yeah. which leaves me is where I'm kind of 
hoping that also maybe you can shed some light to how she was able to afford such a nice apartment. Cause frankly, I don't, her parents don't know how she afforded such a nice apartment or anything to that extent. And I haven't came up with any requisite. Now, mind you, it's in the early, but I mean, do you happen to know how that came about? Or, I mean, I know you haven't talked to her in a couple of years, but. Uh, she, she had some dodgy friends, you know, um, I had the feeling there was something going on. You know, she was always going through college. She was always, uh, let's say, better equipped than other people, you know, uh, turning up, eating nicer meals than everyone else, wearing nicer clothes. We always kind of wondered about that since she didn't work. Oh, okay. And you see him writing it down in a notepad. That's all I really he's have right it. now. Yeah, he's totally buying it. He's like, that's all That's <laughs> all I really have now. But, and he takes out of his, his flannel pocket. You see him take out like a, a business card. He has like a few in there and he kind of hands it to you and it has his name and his also a cell phone number on there. Here, you can call me anytime if you have anything to add or any questions too. Feel free to ask me. Uh, I just, this saddens me that such a beautiful woman like that had such a, uh, a grisly death. And I'm sorry for your loss, but she you never needs someone. tragic. Yeah, and if you ever need someone to call, you, you know, if you ever find yourself lonely or you feel you need to talk to someone also, you know, <laughs> you, you don't feel like you have to call me in a professional manner, you know. I, I could, I, if you just need someone to talk to, we can always grab a coffee again or a drink or something. Just let me know, okay? At this point, I'll kind of, I'll act like like a typical woman would if it, she's getting unwanted attention from a guy. I'll kind of cut, cut it off short and be like, all right, I've got to go now. <laughs> You know, oh, like, okay, and he gets up and he and he like shakes I'll your hand. Like, it was nice to meet your make your acquaintance again, ma'am. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Good luck with your story. Thank you, thank you. And and you turn around and walk out. I take it. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want. Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called Weight Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.